0: Faded to
1: Exterior Interior Restaurant Bar
0: House, It's the most watched movie on TV ever. Beats out the Shawshank Redemption. If you don't know about Roadhouse, talk to Bill Murray. Watch old episodes of No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain. Trace back to early episodes of Family Guy or the CBS show Young Sheldon. They've all talked about it. They've all mocked it. They all love it. And if you don't have time to do any of that, here's the breakdown of Roadhouse. It's a fish-out-of-water tale where a bouncer takes care of business, kicks some ass, bangs abroad, and there's explosions. And of course, Sam Elliott. The late and great Patrick Swayze plays that bouncer, and the fictional club he works at is called The Double Deuce, and it's in Jasper, Missouri. Us at Restaurant Fiction went down during the heyday of the Double Deuce and the scary days of the Double Deuce, and we lived to write about it. Oh, and we also brought along the director of Roadhouse, Rowdy Harrington. Here's our review of the Double Deuce and our conversation with Rowdy. Go. Without any further ado, let's get into it. So guys, gals, women, children, aliens, the Double Deuce is still to us the best concert venue we have ever been to of all time. Why? Because we've been there twice. That's right, twice. Let me tell you about the first time. You see, the Double Deuce is deep in the boonies of Jasper, Missouri. It's off the beaten path, uh, where you're gonna see no-collar bikers, truckers, and excuse my French, uh, this is uh, sometimes we've gotta be a little more politically incorrect uh, peckerheads. And what they're doing is they're gossiping. They're gossiping in this dirt, plot of a parking lot Uh, and they're almost like a it's almost like a forewarning of what's behind them and what's behind them is this 10,000 square foot barn of a warehouse aka the double deuce inside it's the wild west you whiff the air and you your nostrils get the stench of cigarettes bo sweat booze hairspray It's all infused. The Miller and Miller life on tap probably needs to be changed because there's more foam than actual beer. Uh, You know, management at the time we went didn't care about the sawdust on the floor, the flimsy chairs, or uh, any health and safety code violation went out the door. They didn't, they turned a blind eye to all of the pimps who let their girls. Uh, do what they did to lure a potential customer, if you will. Um, Basically, the majority of the crowd is full grown men with no moral code when it comes to what they say and do to one another, what they do to the double deuce and what they do and say to the opposite of sex. Also, they carry an ultra sensitive brooding testosterone, which in a way, if you're a newcomer, it makes you feel like you're just like a lit powder keg in a cave of dynamite ready to go off. Now, why were we there? Why were we there? Well, just like why uh, famous electric blues artist Jeff Healy was here to play some good music and for us to listen to some good music. You see, he already knows this, Jeff Healy already knows this, and that's why, because he's behind Chicken Wire, kind of like how the Blues Brothers played at Bob's Old Country uh, Bunker. And if Jeff stays, then we do too, and Jeff still puts on one hell of a show. Now, over time, the Double Deuce cleaned up its act, and we went back. You see, it uh, they hired a new bouncer to kick some real ass and they made the double deuce into more it seemed it seemed more corporate and family friendly and still jeff healy played like there was no tomorrow so what are we saying we're saying regardless of what version of the double deuce you go to the highly highly politically incorrect version or the politically correct version you're guaranteed to hear some good music no matter what all right, we're talking Rowdy. Rowdy Harrington. We're talking to the director of Roadhouse. What is your take on that review? What is your take on the Double Deuce? This is your um, this is your time to
1: shine on the Double Deuce. Well, I think it's pretty accurate. The, you know, the the fact of the matter is that the setting for any good movie evolves with the plot. Obviously, we wanted to show the evolution of the of the building once patrick swayze's character comes in to take care of the place actually the first time i walked on the set i was with joel silver who's the producer of the film and his first reaction was we got to beat this place up more so it was not as bad as it was when we shot so what you saw was actually what we did to it after the art director had built the place so they did some carnage you know they Beat in some walls, you know, we dirtied it up pretty, pretty, pretty well, ripped some stuff up and, you know, so that you would see a real change once Patrick took over. And that was a, that was a really interesting, you know, it was Joel Silver's call and it was a great lesson for me. You know, that was my second movie and my first studio movie. So, you know, it was a big deal. And Listening to Joel, Joel's a great producer, really smart. You know, I mean, you look at his, his filmography, it's his, his been phenomenally successful. Die Hard and Lethal Weapons and, you know, Matrix and down the line, Predator. So anyway, it was a great lesson to, to think about how it's got to evolve in the movie, the setting. So that's what we did. And, you know, I, I, it was very effective because you could see a really dramatic change when Patrick came in and cleaned the place up. What's appealing to you about the Double Deuce? Well, you know, I mean, obviously I I preferred the second Double Deuce where, you know, it was polished. You know, there was a really nice stage. There was a nice crowd. Obviously, you have a situation where you're going to have trouble in there, you know. So it's a great setting for the drama. And, you know, it's the center of the story in a lot of ways. How does, yeah, this like wild west of a bar, yeah, enhance everyone from
0: the main yeah, I mean, to the co-stars?
1: In any film, you know, you, you give the uh, our, your lead character a problem that he has to solve. In this case, the problem that, that Patrick Swayze has is the double deuce, and cleaning it up, but also finding out that there's this villain who's controlling, you know, the community. And it has an effect on what's happening at the Double Deuce in a big way. Ben Gazzara's character plays prominently in terms of creating the conflict that we need for the movie. You know, essentially, Roadhouse is a modern Western. You know, you can look at it as Patrick is the gunslinger that comes to town, and there's the cattle baron controlling everything that's got his thumb on, on the farmers. He's got a badass gunfighter that's going to go up against Patrick, you know? Um, so, you know, structurally it's, it's really borrowed from, you know, from the American Western.
0: As a fan of your own, but just as a fan, what's your, what was your favorite fight to watch? And as a director, as the director, what was your favorite fight to film?
1: Um, I think the one that's the most entertaining is the first one when Patrick comes in and, you know, everything goes to hell. And that's just fun to watch. And, you know, um, you see the, the I love the guy at the bar. He's banging on these smiling, laughing. Also, and he gets whacked and the girls are hitting people over the head with trays. And it was just mayhem and a lot of fun. And it was meant to be broad. I mean, the whole the whole movie was kind of broad, really. Um, that's why I wanted uh, primary colors for our wardrobe and for the setting of, of the Double Deuce. A lot of primary colors because it's kind of a cartoon. And uh, but the one to film was the big fight at the river with uh, Marshall Teague and Patrick. And that was that was a big deal. It was two nights, very long nights. Um, There's a pretty good story about it, really. You know, Patrick is in everything. So Marshall Teague learned all the choreography way before Patrick could. And so then whenever Patrick would get a minute, he'd work with Marshall on beat by beat, this fight that's gonna last like four minutes. Marshall knew the moves better than Patrick. So quite often Marshall got whacked, you know, cause Patrick would, you know, zig instead of zag. And, and so, you know, uh, the, the funny part was that both of those guys were kind of method actors. So they never spoke. They would sit across from each other and lunch and just stare at each other. And You know, they stayed in character. And, you know, at the end of the fight, which you know was grueling, you know, Patrick had to have his knee drained a couple of times. Uh, anyway, at the end of the fight, they were like brothers. They were bonded. And, you know, till the end of Patrick's life, uh, Marshall and Patrick were very, very close friends. So, you know, it's kind of like they went to war together. So you saw these two actors
0: are are doing what they do. And as a director, do you just, in a way you step back and and let them, because they're already in the character, like you're, you're watching, what I'm saying is, yeah, you're watching them eat and they're just, they have the stink eye at each other. So,
1: so obviously you're assuming they're still in character. Absolutely. And, you know, you encourage it, (laughs) you know, I mean, you want the most reality you can get when you actually go to film. And that's why You know, some actors stay in character all day. Others, you know, in between takes, they're in a different world. You know, it's like they're really intense. They play the scene. I say cut. And then they say, anybody got any chewing gum, you know, or whatever. You know, so everybody, they're all different. Everybody has a different technique. And as a director, you sort of have to figure out how you're going to talk to them based on how they like to work. You know, when you described um, the last scene,
0: this last scene as your favorite scene to film, what are the tips and tricks of directing an iconic fight scene?
1: Well, first of all, you know, when you're a storyteller, stories always have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So you you should approach a a great fight scene from that point of view. Also, you know, there's going to be a dynamic change within the fight. So when it's written, that's what you're looking for. And the next thing that you have to do is find the correct setting for it and what set pieces are going to be necessary for the fight. And then you work with your stunt coordinator. And in this case, we had a fight coordinator, Benny the Jet and Charlie Paterni was our stunt coordinator, and they choreograph the fight. And then we put the choreography into the setting and we do walkthroughs where you figure out where everybody's gonna be and how it's gonna flow. Then you figure out coverage, where's the camera and what we're gonna see. And in any good fight, you want the camera to be in a place where the punch sells. So in other words, it looks like it's a hit. But in fact, based on where the camera is, the fist goes right by the face and the face reacts at the appropriate time but from the camera point of view it looks like you got punched so you figure out the movement of the camera to keep going because you don't want to be cut 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 you want to have some flow to it you move the camera accordingly to sell those punches and kicks and body blows and hitting with logs and you know anything else uh, essentially you know you it does happen in stages. And there is a lot of rehearsal when you put it together. Hopefully, you know, you've done your job. And in that fight in particular, I think it was it's very effective. It's it's exciting and uh, it's a great climax for the battle between those two characters.
0: Uh, you had the late and great uh, Anthony Bourdain on men- on a few episodes. Yeah, he has always said the best film of all time is Roadhouse. Uh, how does that make you feel when you have these? Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, everybody's there for a paycheck, but there's certain times when, you know, you feel like you're doing something that's going to last in time. I'm not sure we knew Roadhouse was going to have the legs that it has. You know, that was, it's impossible to predict. You know, for the most part, movies like Roadhouse come and go. But for some reason, and I think a lot of it has to do with Patrick, Sam Elliott, uh, Jeff Healy, you know, there was just this kind of like, lightning in a, in, in a bottle that we kind of captured and uh, it just doesn't go away. You know, I don't know if you know this, but Roadhouse holds the record for the most showings on television of any movie in history. So, and we broke the record some, some years ago. It was an article in Playboy. It's got to be five, five years ago at least I saw that. And uh, it hasn't slowed down. I guess my basic attitude about Roadhouses is, is a, a hell of a lot better than it had to be. <laughs> so you know, I mean, for the audience they were going after, and the kind of film that it seemed like it was going to be on on paper. I, I've told this story before, but it's it's quite funny. My favorite review of Roadhouse I read on the internet, and it said things to do today: get the power turned back on in the trailer, buy beer and chips, rent Roadhouse. Uh, you know it's just a kick-ass movie and I guess it's just watchable over and over again which is I think the definition of of a movie that's really going to be successful is people will you know I've had I can't tell you how many times people have said to me you know I was flipping through the channels and I saw it and then I ended up watching it you know and it's like that wasn't the first time they saw it so there's certain favorite scenes, whether it's the Bigfoot driving through the car dealership or, you know, one of the fights or love scene, you know, everybody has a favorite.
0: As the captain of the ship, how do you create this, the, this fun vibe throughout with the crew, with the talent, to make sure that everyone's having fun, that, hey, to, to give that off, like we're just shooting a fun piece of art here?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it comes with the territory when you're the director. That crew morale matters. I was very fortunate in that I came up through the crew. You know, I was kind of unusual in that, you know, my entry into this movie business, which I was desirous of, happened to be in lighting. You know, I was an electrician. And I got that job because I started out in public television and uh, in Pittsburgh, WQED. And I worked on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And, you know, we put up the sets and we lit them. You know, because I had done that when I moved to Los Angeles and I was looking for work, an entryway into the movie business. I got a job as an electrician and I eventually became a gaffer, which is the chief lighting technician working with the cameraman. You know, it was a great place to learn the craft. In the old days, when you wanted to practice a craft, for seven years, you were an apprentice. And, you know, you did odd jobs. You went for the sandwiches. You swept up. But you're there in the workshop watching the artists and his crew do their do their work and you learn everything what everybody's job is. And then after seven years, you become a journeyman and you get specific elements that the artist gives you to work on in order to build your experience up until after seven years as an apprentice, they kick you out and say okay you're you're an artist now you you know you've gotten your whole training and I think I was about 14 years working on movies when I finally got to direct one so I was very comfortable the part of it that was a little bit scary to me was post-production because I'd never done it so going into the editing room you know that was a different experience for me and on my first picture I was lucky enough to find a really good editor, Harry Miller. And we worked together a lot anyway. So that, that was, you know, working on the crew, you know, I got to see directors who were successful and directors who weren't, and, you know, that wasn't defined by how good the movie was. I've worked with some directors who were difficult, but they made really good movies. And I worked with directors who were pretty nice guys and it was junk. You know, you have to know what you're doing and, know that you're going to succeed in the movie. And at the same time, enthusiasm is contagious. you got to go to work and be excited about what you're doing. And the the crew picks that up. Because when you go in and you're not, and, you know, there are times when I've experienced it in my career where it's very difficult. It might be because of a difficult situation. might be the politics, studio politics, politics with a difficult actor. You know, this is not a walk in the park, man. You know, it's a difficult job. And everybody is a critic. Every single person that looks at this thing is going to tell you what they think. And not everybody's going to like it, no matter what you do. And I think the most important thing is that you make a a film that you can live with. I mean, I knew what Roadhouse was. When I first read the script, I turned it down. I said, oh, you know, this is really it's kind of crazy. You know, this is it's not what I had in mind, you know, about where I was going as a director, because it was so broad. And I got invited to Fox Studio by Joel. He said, Listen, he said, I you know, I heard you passed. And I said, Yeah. And he said, Riley, listen, he said, I think you're really talented. You know, I saw your movie and uh, you know, I'm a producer, you're a director, uh, even if you don't like this, why don't you come down and talk to me? Because, you know, I, I'd like to work with you sometime. So let's meet. So I said, okay, well, that, you know, how do you say no to that? And uh, he said, come down to Fox. And I said, well, what time do you want me to come? He said, midnight. I said, midnight. He said, yeah, it's our lunch break. I said, okay, oh, okay. So the first time I was on Fox Studio a lot, which is very impressive, they're shooting Die Hard. You know, so you got that whole thing going on where they're blowing up the Nakamichi Tower, you know. Anyway, we sat and talked. I told him, you know, this is really broad, Joel. You know, this is the script and he really needs work. And he said, that's why I want you. He said, you know, I've talked to other people about this movie and, and you know, they're ready to do it. And you, you want to make it better. So why don't you do it? And, you know, I mean, they offered me a lot of money. <laughs> so there you go. It was a valuable lesson. And I've used it over and over again, you know, uh, Sam Elliott passed. So I called up his agent and I said, listen, I know Sam, you know, he, he doesn't want to do this, but, uh, you know, I'm a director in town and he's one of my favorite actors. Could, you know, would you have lunch with me? Because I have other things that I'm going to be doing, you know, and I just like to meet him. So the agent calls back and he said, yeah, Sam will have lunch with you. So he came to the lot. We went to the commissary and, sat down and made some pleasantries and, you know, I told him that I was working on the script and that, you know, I had a lot of work to do to make this thing really, really sing, you know, then I looked across the table from him and he's getting to know me, you know, it's like, I'm not an asshole. You know, I want to make a good movie. And I looked at him, I said, Sam, if you don't do this movie, I'm fucked. And he got this big smile on his face. And I said, listen, man, just ask for more money. (laughs) And Sam got in a movie and we had a ball, you know, he's a great actor and he's really a wonderful guy. You know, the the rule about real estate location, location, location in movies, it's casting, casting, casting. I mean, you got to have a good script. And you know, the way you get a great actor and a good script, it's got to have two things. There's three things that attract them money, the location and the material. If you get two out of three, you can probably get them. So for our future, even
0: directors out there or current directors that are looking to get um, talent that their dream talent, at least get two of the three of what you said.
1: Yeah. Or you don't have a prayer.
0: Rowdy, thank you for coming on. You are welcome back anytime, even if you just want to shoot the breeze. Besides Roadhouse, go to Rowdy's IMDb page. Check out his plethora of work. It's all fantastic. And then go back and re watch Patrick Swayze do karate and fight inside the double deuce. I'm Monis Rose. This is Restaurant Fiction, the podcast that reviews every single fictional restaurant, bar, and club in TV and film. Please feel free to reach out. The email is monis, that's M O N I S, at restaurantfiction.com. Until next time. Keep it real, keep it fresh and always keep it on the flip side. Roadhouse. Cut to.
1: Exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar.
0: Club. Day.
1: Night.